know that it's something to be taken seriously and know that this disease is very real. I went through, I want to say, an infection that actually threatened to take my life. I lost my hair, skin, and nails, and I became a teenager in the hospital. So I love to make the joke that I went through the most grotesque puberty known to man. I don't look like what I've been through, and I'm grateful every single day that I don't look like what I've been through. Hi, I'm John Yeager, and this is the Anthem Award-winning podcast, Bloodworks 101. In this episode, you'll meet that young woman you heard from right there. Her name is Isosa Ibuan, a 24-year-old staffer at the Carolinas Cord Blood Bank in Durham, North Carolina. She's also a sickle cell disease survivor. Since sickle cell anemia hits primarily the African-American community, we thought we'd share Sosa's remarkable story with you this month, February, Black History Month. How'd she survive? Well, that's why we devoted this episode to Sosa's story. Here we go. My name is Sosa E. Bowen. I am a lab technician in the Carolinas Cord Blood Bank at Duke University. Blood donation is something very personal for you. Can you explain a little bit more why? Absolutely. Um, so I used to have sickle cell disease when I was younger. Um, for about the first 12 years of my life, I had sickle cell disease. Um, I underwent two transplants. The first one was a stem cell transplant with stem cells donated from my brother in 2011. And the second was a cord blood transplant that I had in 2012. Um, funny enough, the lab that I work in actually processed my cord blood that was transplanted into me and saved my life to, uh, about 11 years ago today. 11 years ago. Well, congratulations. This is sort of <laughs> birthday of sorts then, right? Yes, thank you. I celebrated. Um, my transplant was on October 31st, 2012. So a lot of people were happy getting candy that day. I was kind of getting a new life. Um, but, uh, yes, I celebrated 11 years last year and this year will be 12 years. Um, I'm about to actually cross over the range of living my life more without sickle cell than with sickle cells. So that is very exciting. Well, it, it, uh, theoretically and with diagrams, I can understand the dimensions of sickle cell anemia and how, how this, the, the, the literally that they bend, the, the, those platelets bend. Um, how does that affect your health? Uh, what did you feel like when you when when you had the symptoms as bad as they were? Of course. Um, so I suffered pain crises more specific to my lower regions. Um, I would wake up in the morning, and my legs would be really stiff. Um, I would be limping, and my sickle cell caused a lot of health complications. I was in and out of the hospital for a little bit when I was younger because of pain crises. And ultimately, um, I also had to start having monthly blood transfusions. And even more so, um, it led to the doctors discovering that I had multiple mini strokes in the brain with no physical effect. And that actually led to the need of a transplant or some sort of life-saving procedure in order to hopefully cure my sickle cell at the time when it was known to be incurable. Maybe three and a half, four years, um, I was having to deal with that. So I would go one day to the hospital and get my uh, blood transfusion. 
And I would come back to school the next day with these huge bandages wrapped around my arms. And, you know, I was young. I was kind of keeping my medical history, of course, private, but also sickle cell was less known in the community or understood by kids, so to say. So I kind of kept my school life and hospital life separate with the exception of a friend or two um, to make sure that if there were a problem, they would know how to handle it and alert my parents as necessary. Well, you don't want to be defined by something like that, because I think that's easy for somebody to do. You know, oh, well, she has sickle cell anemia. I have to, well, I have to treat her in a different way. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe that's a part of the reason why you didn't want to share it. Absolutely. Um, when I was younger, I knew it was something I really didn't want to define me, especially because there wasn't as much awareness for sickle cell before. Um, again, especially amongst the younger generations. Um, I... Even now with the term sickle cell warriors, even post-transplant, I had a question where someone asked me, do I still define myself as a sickle cell warrior? And at times, I even admittedly struggle with whether or not to share my story immediately with new friends or friends from college, just because that's not something that I wanted to become my identity anymore, since I felt I was quote-unquote quote unquote, excuse me, normal, according to scientific terms. So that um, label is something that I think it's been a constant struggle mentally, as even though I'm an advocate, public speaker for these sorts of ordeals, it's not something that I want people to only know me as. I guess I could I could uh, sort of sum up that last bit by when I ask you how many uh, so many you've lost count. Yes, we're going to we're going to run this uh, in February, which is um, uh, how Black History Month is is every February. And this has been a syndrome, a malady that's really hit Black Americans hard. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell me about that. Tell me about how, um, I think that this is important to talk about uh, during Black History Month, because we seem to be at a a point where it it might soon be in the rearview mirror. Yes, sir. So um, I do believe there should be more sickle cell awareness especially with knowing whether or not you possess the trait or even you would I feel you would know if you have the disease but getting tested beforehand um, especially before I guess you could say pairing up with your partner in the future um, knowing whether or not you and your partner possess the trait um, just knowing that simple knowledge both my parents knew that risk going in because it is prominent in the black and African community and they had the full spectrum. They had a child that had no disease, no trait, a child with trait and a child with disease. But they knew that both of them had the trait and were willing to take that risk and rode on a lot of faith. Um, And now they have a child, two children who are quote unquote normal and a child with trait. Um, But I think it's really important to emphasize the importance of getting tested to know whether or not you possess that SA trait. And if that's something that you potentially could pass on to your future generations. Um, Sickle cell disease is something that I feel sometimes gets put on the back burner, um, especially with people managing um, pain crises in the hospital. Uh, that comes from just stigmas of how Black people tolerate pain, and we could go into a whole nother spiel about that, but um, I think that it is something to continuously talk about, continuously advocate for, so that when someone with sickle cell disease, they talk about their pain crises or their level of pain, know that we mean it. (laughs) Know that it's something to be taken seriously, and know that this disease is very real. I'm grateful every single day 
that I don't have to deal with such a disease anymore because I can't begin to explain the times when I would wake up and I would have to guess which leg is going to hurt when I stand up this morning. Tell me a little bit about Be The Match and why that organization is so important. Be The Match is a phenomenal organization. I've had the honor to partner with a couple of times in previous years. Be The Match has a registry that people are able to go and just simply register saying that if you are to find a match with someone who needs a life-saving donation for a transplant, they'll match you up and you'll get a call. You may never get a call. You may get a call the next week. You may get a call in a couple of years. But the message is to simply just being able to say, hey, like, I'm willing to do it. Sometimes the very cure to some of these diseases that are eradicating younger generations is literally within us. And Be The Match is working diligently to not only just collect people to be on the registry, but they're also on a mission to diversifying that registry so that people who are having, spending more time on the list who need transplants, which tends to be minorities, are finding matches sooner. Um, So it's really important. And I really encourage everyone to sign up to be on the Be The Match registry. Um, It is a phenomenal organization. Sometimes they are able to work it out where uh, patients meet donors and I unfortunately don't get that honor because of certain um, confidentiality agreements that were made. However, I can't begin to express how I would feel being able to meet such a person who so selflessly donated a part of themselves to be able to grant me the outlook on life I have now. So Be The Match, an amazing organization. They do great work and are incredible advocates for the sickle cell community as well. really talking about leveling the playing field aren't we we because, sure are because you're you're fourth and 10 fourth and 25 you've you've got a lot of downs are almost over and you got a lot of distance to go sorry for the football uh, analogy here it's okay i worked in carolina football so <laughs> i know exactly what you mean it's not a level playing field it's not it's not um working even in the lab Um, I know that our mission is also to hopefully be able to increase the amount of non-Caucasian units in our blood banks so that we're able to, you know, hopefully provide that research that does lead to more cures for um, non-Caucasian communities. Not saying that we discriminate against such donations because that does not happen at all. All donations are welcomed and all donations are appreciated. But it's something that I really hope I'm speaking to minority communities when I say that you're needed and your donation is appreciated because of people like me who If you, as I know you're seeing me now, but as I'm telling you about my transplant journey or you hear the nitty gritty details about my second transplant, I don't look like what I've been through. And I'm grateful every single day that I don't look like what I've been through. Your surgery made history. Uh, Can you unpack that a little bit for us? Absolutely. So I was the first pediatric patient in the world to do a double NICORD cord blood transplant for sickle cell disease. I helped pioneer that experiment for other people with sickle cell disease after me to have that option as a transplant procedure and came out having what was thought to be an incurable disease cured and I've been cured of sickle cell disease for the last 11 years. Um, During my transplant 
transplant, I immediately, when I was admitted, I went through 23 rounds of chemotherapy in 10 days. To break down that math for you, every six hours, I was getting a new bag of chemotherapy pumped into me, and I was only 11 years old at the time. Actually, excuse me, I was 12 years old at the time. Um, I was averaging throwing up four times a day, um, and I went through, I want to say, an infection that actually threatened to take my life. I lost my hair, skin, and nails, and I became a teenager in the hospital. So I love to make the joke that I went through the most grotesque puberty known to man. Um, but um, at the end of it all, I can wholeheartedly say that the day that I was transplanted on October 31st was the one day I didn't throw up. And I actually felt my best. And I had a feeling that I was going to feel like that for the rest of my life if I could get through what was next. Um, and sure enough, immediately after transplant, I underwent that transformation. Um, I was having chills. I was having fevers. I actually had to deal with temporary type 2 diabetes for about two and a half months and had to do everything that somebody who has diabetes has to do um, due to it being induced by steroids. I was swallowing about 30 pills a day and I had two I had a central line coming out of my body that they would administer medications through. So that's why I say that I'm very grateful that now when I look at my life, I would never have thought during that time that I would be weight training the way that I do, have competed in Miss North Carolina USA the way that I have, um, and have been able to travel to some of the places that I've been. So when I say that I don't look like what I've been through, please know that I truly mean it. And more so even immediately coming out of the hospital, the person that you have talking before you was not the person that I was. Um, transplant was extremely traumatic. I actually was only speaking to family, but through workers at the Ronald McDonald House of Durham, I give them credit every single time. I was actually able to re-come out of my shell um, I love saying this phrase that came to me. Um, they don't really tell you how to live after you've almost died, but I feel like I've done a pretty good job so far figuring out that playbook. And uh, today you work in a cord blood bank. Boy, there's some symmetry there, isn't there? Yes. So it is very sentimental to me that I work where I work. Not only am I able to hopefully one day I'm just processing a unit that could save somebody's life the way that someone once did for me, but knowing that I worked with the very, I work in the very lab that someone, however many years ago, processed a unit and it saved my life is mind blowing. It is an extreme full circle moment for me. I get to work with people who actually knew me during transplant and now have me as a worker. It's an incredible full circle moment. And also working at the same university that saved my life. My transplant was done at Duke. Um, it is an incredibly fulfilling experience that I've been able to experience the past couple of months. And I can't wait to talk to him more as I'm also working diligently towards um, pursuing medical school in my future. Wow, I'm speechless. And if anybody who knows me knows that's that's hard for me to be. <laughs> wow. Um, and you want to be a doctor one day? Yes, um, I, I have aspirations of becoming a future physician. I'm very interested in a fertility, especially in the OBGYN sector um, and I'm also interested in surgery specifically traumatic reconstructive I was kind of an artist in high school and I believe plastic surgery is an amazing combination of art and surgery I love it so much 
Um, but yes, I am currently working really hard towards applying to medical school in the future. I think I have about two years before I apply, but I'm really excited to be able to just continue culminating the experience and getting to tell medical schools about how I have made sure in my journey that I've been able to see all faces of medicine as the patient, as a worker in a lab, and even as my time working in a clinic. You mentioned to me before when we were talking uh, in, in leading up to this interview that uh, um, people like me either run away from medicine or run toward it. Yes, and that is a very true statement. I knew that medicine was somewhere that I was going to find myself familiar and at peace with because when I was younger, nothing in the hospital really scared me. It only intrigued me. I was the patient who was always asking, what is that? What is medication? What are you doing to me? And I wasn't really the type of patient that was running away scared. When it was time to go into transplant, especially the second time when morale was admittedly a little low, riding off of a lot of faith from my family, but also just riding off of believing in medicine, I knew that medicine was a place that I wanted to be at. So I love the way that medicine honestly changes lives. I believe in the power of science because I am a product of science. So um, it's something that I want to be able to contribute back to in my own way. And I'm hopefully going to contribute to the numbers of Black female physicians here in the United States as well. So something that I felt was always my calling. I have pictures of me when I was younger in scrubs so thankfully, uh, my parents, they never pressured me to become a doctor. It was something that I actually was telling them that I wanted to do. In my former life, um, I was a reporter. I like to joke with people. I'm a recovering journalist. Um, <laughs> and when I was, and so, so when I was uh, meeting a daily deadline, uh, there was something that I always uh, had to think about as a as a storyteller, as a reporter, as, as someone who likes to to chronicle life like that on a deadline. Um, the question was, what's the story all about? And if I knew what the story was all about, I had a better idea as to how to tell it. What's your story all about? I would love my story to be one that people take inspiration from, but also people see a story of diligently fighting back. Because the day that I was told that my first transplant didn't work is undoubtedly one of the worst days of my life. But then I went through the last three days of chemotherapy in my second transplant, and then those became the worst three days of my life. And there are many times when I had sickle cell disease when I used to just cry because I thought, why am I having to deal with this? But in everything, I've always just felt that it was never it was never supposed to just be this. Um, and having the opportunity, having that responsibility of being the first, of being the guinea pig, and knowing what that meant um, also was what I knew made it more attractive for me to be that candidate. I was going to give them the information that they needed to get it right. And I'm really happy, I'm really proud that my story not only inspires people, but I'm also really proud that my story helped people. That even though I went through the most traumatic thing in my life because of it, other people have the opportunity to take that risk, to take that step, and hopefully be bestowed with the same opportunity that I've had of being able to just now live the rest of my life. 
So it's the very least that I can do to be able to talk about my story and share more about it. Um, but I really hope that people see a story of grit, a story of diligently persevering and diligently fighting back. There's an element of paying it forward. I'm, I'm, I'm picking up I'm picking up a paying it forward kind of angle here. Of course, always. My parents instilled that for me when I was younger, always giving back. Um, and I can't tell you how many times, even to this day, um, with the Ronald McDonald House, I was able to co-host a breakfast, raise hundreds of, hundreds of thousands of dollars for their renovation, um, being able to work with them for multiple charity events and advocacy events, being able to work with organizations like Be The Match or the Save The Cord Foundation over in Arizona, all these places that have had the opportunity or given me, excuse me, the opportunity to share my story. And as much as they think I'm doing them a service, it's also me being grateful just that somehow I'm the person that everyone wants to talk to. Um, and it's, again, like I said, it's a responsibility um, that I knew that being the first, being in this position, I never thought that I was going to go back to my quiet life um, and just live it without having at least shared with someone just because I know how impactful the story can be for people, for people who even maybe don't have that option of transplant for their sickle cell disease, what it means to them hearing that progress has been made. And then also laying eyes and seeing me and seeing just how healthy that I look is nothing short of a blessing that I don't take for granted and like want to be able to give to other people. What's your message? It sounds simple. <sighs> I have a lot of messages. <laughs> I would say my message is uniquely pertains to you because anybody can get up and speak. But what I love about my story is just how unique it is. I love how I'm able to share my story in so many unique ways. Um, and I love how unique how inspiring it is for people. So in everything that you do, make sure that it is uniquely you. And there's a cord blood element to this as well. Yes, because at the end of the day, there is no one truly like me on this planet. It's, it's actually insane. You know, my blood type even changed during transplant as well. Literally everything changed. What is your blood type now? I think it's A. It used to be O, oh, my. which yeah, is that's crazy. Very rare. Exactly. It is rare. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Now I do... Um, I get to do blood typing at my job. And so I'm tempted to just kind of test it to see. Um, I mean, I wouldn't. But <laughs> now I like know how to do the actual blood typing procedure. And it makes me wonder like, huh, I wonder what results my blood would show because my blood type changed. Anything I haven't asked you, and this has been a real inspirational uh, few minutes. Uh, I'm, I'm just blown away. And like I said before, I, I was at a loss for words to, 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 to observe <laughs> what you've been through and to have the, the optimism that you seem to have right now. Um, I, I, like I said, I'm blown away. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you'd like to get into, you'd like to mention? I will know. And I'm really appreciative for opportunities like this because kind of like how I mentioned before, Sometimes I do find it uh, a struggle to talk more about my journey, my story to just my day-to-day -day friends. Um, I'm able to do it in a professional setting because it's a crowd that I've been around a lot, you know, more adults. Transplant's the hardest thing I've done in my life. 
but it is also because of transplant. Nothing in life seems as complicated compared to transplant. And I think that's why I have more of this, I can take on the world attitude because I went through it when I was 11, 12 and 13 years old. And I'm now 24 years old and nothing truly scares me because of what I went through. And I'm really grateful for this because I become more comfortable with talking about my story. My story is not something that I feel is a burden to myself. But the more that I talk about it, the more I just realize it's a part of my life that I'm never going to escape. But like I said, I feel it is my responsibility that if I have such a story that is super impactful, such as this one, it's worth telling. Isosa E. Bowen, lab technician and sickle cell anemia survivor. My colleagues here at Bloodworks Northwest want you to know that donating umbilical cord blood is a simple, safe way to make the birth of your child into someone else's second chance at life. If you are or someone you know is expecting, please consider cord blood donation. For more information about donating in the greater Seattle area, please visit bloodworksnw.org forward slash donate forward slash cord blood and cord blood is one word. And that just about wraps it up for this edition of Bloodworks 101. I'm your host, John Yeager. See you next time.